So, for those of you who are not raised on awesome 1990s cartoons like this, the uh, movie Balto tells the story of the first Iditarod, which is a sled dog race run in Alaska every year. The Iditarod uh, commemorates the story of Balto, where uh, a diphtheria outbreak in Nome, Alaska, threatened the lives of a number of children, and the only way to get medicine to those children was by to take it via sled dog in the middle of winter from Anchorage to Nome. And in this story, we, and in this clip, we see kind of the climax of the story where Balto is out trying to bring the medicine back to the sick children, and he gets lost. He's lost in the dark. He's lost in the uh, snowstorm. And Jenna, one of the other dogs, takes some broken glass and puts it on a hill to mimic the northern lights so that Balto and his sled team can see where they need to go and make it home. Now, there are obviously some creative liberties taken with this movie. So far as we know, dogs did not make fake northern lights to guide the sled team home. But, uh, in, uh, historically speaking, Balto's sled team actually did uh, make it to Nome in the middle of the night in the middle of a snowstorm because they could see the lights from the city. Amidst the darkness, they could see the lights and those lights guided them home. Now, have you ever been lost in the dark? Maybe you've been literally lost in the dark before. Maybe uh, you were in your office or in your house and the power went out. And you couldn't figure out where you were or what was going on. Or maybe you've been figuratively lost in the dark before. Maybe something bad has happened or some event has taken place in your life that has uh, really thrown you off your game and you've been disoriented and lost. Whether you have been literally lost in the dark or figuratively lost in the dark, we can all learn a message from Balto. And that is, when you're lost... Follow the light. Follow the light. Now, in the Gospel of John, which is one of the stories of Jesus in the Bible, John tells us about a light. A light that is so powerful and shines so brightly that no darkness can overcome it. It's a light that cuts through all of the darkness. And John identifies this light as this really intriguing word, the Logos. The Logos is the source of the light that John is talking about. And John identifies the Logos as Jesus. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, because here at Rooftop, we're in the midst of our uh, a sermon series called Summer and the Sun, where we are looking at the names of Jesus and what they tell us about who he is and why it matters. And so the name we're going to look at for Jesus today is Logos. Now, Logos is a little bit different than the other names we've been talking about. Most of the names we've been talking about when it comes to Jesus are specific names for Jesus or titles applied to him. But the Logos isn't one of those things. Logos is actually more of a description. But like the names we have been looking at, it's a description that tells us a lot about Jesus. And so to dig into what the Logos tells us about Jesus, we're going to look in John chapter 1 this morning. So feel free to turn in your Bible or turn on your phone and go to John 1. That's where we're going to be. 
And as you turn there, I have a, a little piece of contextual information for you here. The word logos is a Greek word. The New Testament was written in Greek. We do not speak Greek. We speak English, or at least we try to. And so when your Bible, look, when your Bible translators look at the Greek, they oftentimes translate the word logos as the word word. Right? Logos equals word. Right? But as we're digging into what John has to say today, we're not going to do that. Every time the word logos appears, I'm actually just going to use the word logos. Because if we just use the word word, we get confused by what the words say. Does that make sense? I've thoroughly confused you. Perfect. All right, right where we want to be. So follow along with me as I read what John chapter 1 has to say about the Logos. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. And the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, there's a lot going on in this passage. In fact, there's so much going on that we cannot possibly hope to cover all of it today. Uh, but there are some really important things that we can draw out from this passage. Uh, and there's a big idea that John is trying to communicate to us that I really want to spend some time thinking about. But before we get there, we really have to answer this fundamental question uh, about what we're talking about, and that is, who or what is the Logos? Who or what is the Logos? What is this, uh, this unique Greek term communicating to us? And to really do that, I need you to suspend for a moment everything you've really heard about this passage in the past. Most of you are Christians, you've been in church a while, you've read John 1 before, and you have all sorts of ideas about what it means that Jesus is the Logos, or what it means that Jesus is the Word. And I need you to pause for a moment from, what you think, uh, from those thoughts, because the fact of the matter is, John calling Jesus the Logos is really weird. It's a weird name to call someone because it's not really a name. The word logos means something like thought or idea, logic, reason, word. That's not a name you usually apply to someone. What's up, word? How you doing? So Logos is not so much a name or a title for Jesus as it is an abstract concept. It's an abstract concept. Think with me for a moment. Imagine with me freedom. 
When I say the word freedom, what images come to mind? Tell me. Braveheart. Braveheart. Ah, very good. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> freedom. All right, what else comes to mind? The American flag. The American flag. America. What else? Broken chains. Broken chains. That's it. No kids in the house. That's what I'm talking about, Ariel. Very good. Freedom. Now, those are good images of freedom, some more excellent than others. But you know what? But you know what? Those are images of freedom, right? Those things aren't actually freedom because freedom is an abstract concept. You, you can't hold freedom. I couldn't get freedom and bring it up here on stage for you this morning because freedom is an abstract concept. It's not physical. It's an idea. It doesn't make it any less real. It just means that it's a certain kind of thing. It's abstract. The logos is also abstract. It's an idea. It's a concept. In the ancient world, in Jesus' day, the philosophers talked all about the idea of the Logos. Some philosophers said that the Logos was the animating energy of the universe, kind of like the force in Star Wars. Other philosophers said that the Logos was the intermediary between God and humanity. Still others thought that the Logos was like the idea of wisdom that you see in Proverbs. And all of that was just part of this robust conversation in the ancient world about what this idea meant what this abstract concept of the Logos was. And so John is being a little different here by identifying Jesus as this abstract concept, by identifying Jesus as the Logos. Now, as John does this, he tells us some things, he communicates with us some characteristics of the Logos, and I want us to think about these for a minute. So look again at verse 1. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. This is a very intentional parallel uh, to the first book of the Bible, to Genesis. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John echoes that, in the beginning was the Logos. And the connotation here is that the Logos is eternal. In the beginning, the Logos was already there. Stretch your mind back as far as it will go, and you will never think of a time when the Logos did not exist. The Logos is eternal. It has always been. It has always been with God. Why? Well, because the Logos is God. This is what John says at the end of verse 1. The Logos was God. This is the clearest, one of the clearest expressions of the Godhood of Jesus in Scripture. Jesus isn't just like God. Jesus isn't similar to God. Jesus is God. That's what John is communicating. The Logos is eternal, and the Logos is divine. Now, the divine Logos has a job to do. John tells us in verse 3, all things were made through the Logos, and without him was not anything made that was made. That is, the Logos had a job to do. The Logos was active in the work of creation. 
The Logos is the agent of creation. As Psalm 33, 6 says, by the word of the Lord, all things were made. By the word of the Lord, all things were made. Do you know what the word for word is in Psalm 33? Logos. By the Logos of the Lord, all things were made. The Logos is the agent of creation. The Logos creates. And so John, in these first three verses, is saying something. He's saying the Logos is eternal, the Logos is divine, the Logos is the agent of creation. And up until this point, any philosopher in Jesus' day would have been okay with what John was saying. This is how you describe the Logos. You describe the Logos as eternal and divine and an agent of creation. But then, John does something even weirder. In verse 14, he says this. He says, the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. This is earthy, humanity-soaked language here. The Logos has taken on flesh and blood like us, and he has moved into our neighborhood. And so John is taking this abstract idea, and he's making it really bizarre. The abstract has become concrete. The non-physical idea of the Logos is not just an idea anymore, it's actually walking around on two feet. That which was imaginary, that which was non-physical, has now become real. That's what John is communicating here. And this blows the mind of all the philosophers. They don't have categories for the Logos as something that's not just in uh, their heads and is in in, uh, reality. And this is what theologians call the incarnation, the infleshment, putting the divine God into flesh and bone like us. So who is the Logos? Well, John tells us that he's a unique being, the God-man through whom all things were created. He's not just another prophet. He's not just an heir to the Iron Throne. He's not just another teacher. He's special. He's the special. He's so special that John takes this philosophical concept and he bends it to the point of breaking by describing who Jesus is. In using the word logos to describe Jesus, John is telling us that Jesus is the eternal, divine agent of creation who took on flesh to fulfill God's purpose in the world of bringing light to the darkness. That, in a nutshell, is who the logos is. Now, once we have some idea of who the logos is, we can get back to what John is saying here. We can get to John's big message. And the message that John really has for us this morning is that the Logos brings light into the darkness of life. The Logos brings light into the darkness of life. Verse 5 is the clearest expression of this. John says, uh, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Amidst the darkness of the world, John says, the Logos has come and the Logos lights up Reality. It's like the northern lights in Balto. You can see what we need to see now because of the light of the Logos. Have you 
Have you ever been in a darkness that affected how you lived? All of us are familiar with the dark, right? Most of us sleep in the dark every night. But have you ever found yourself in a situation where it was so dark that you couldn't do what you wanted to do? A few years ago, I was in an escape room. You know, an escape room where you take people you think you like, and then you get locked in a room with them, and then you try as hard as you can to escape them. Escape room, right? So I was in an escape room, and one of the challenges in this escape room uh, was a dark room. No lights, light-absorbing materials everywhere. Once you get in, you couldn't get out. And we got in there, we could not see our hands in front of our faces. We were lost. We were bumping into things, we were bumping into each other. One guy tripped and hurt himself. Another guy knocked something off a table and broke it. Made it harder to get out of the room eventually, but it was great. We were lost. We were lost in the darkness until finally someone stumbled into the light. And because we found the light, we were able to figure out where we were and to figure out how we could get out of the darkness. Like a light in a dark escape room, the Logos has come into the darkness of reality to show us how things really are and to show us how we can get out of the darkness. Because the light is here, we don't have to stumble around in the dark anymore. We don't have to keep bumping into one another and upsetting one another. We don't have to keep breaking things and making a mess of the world. Because the Logos is here, we can live in the light. The Logos brings light into the darkness of life. Now, this actually brings us to a really important fact about reality, a fact that we don't often think about. And that is that we all need to be saved from the dark. We need to be saved from the dark. My three-year-old, Bree, just recently has decided she doesn't like the dark. For the first three years of her life, she was okay sleeping in a room where it was mostly dark, but a couple weeks ago, she decided to let me know at one o'clock in the morning that she did not want to sleep in the dark anymore. And then she let me know at two, and then at three, and then at four, and then at five. So, you know, you get the idea. Bree needs to be saved from the dark. She asks to be saved from the dark when I forget to turn her nightlight on. And the same is true of all of us. We have to be saved from the dark. And just so we're really clear this morning, the darkness that we have to be saved from is sin and suffering and shame and death. That's what we have to be saved from. Because when we are in the dark, we are full of those things. And when we are in the darkness, we're separated from God. There's a chasm between us and God where God is in the light and we are in the dark. Now, if you've been in church before, you've heard that you need to, you know, enter the light and follow God. But so often we hear that and we go, you know what, that's okay. I don't need to worry about this right now. I'm young. I'll figure this out at the end of my life. I'll figure this out after I'm doing what I'm doing now. And we push off that decision. We push off our need to follow 
God in the light. And that's true on one level. If I die now, hmm, it's probably not going to happen. I'll be okay. I can figure this out later. But the truth is that living in the darkness has consequences in the future, but it also has consequences in the present. See, if I don't follow God until later in life, that's one thing. But if I continue to live in the darkness now, it's going to affect my life now. If I continue to live in the dark, it's going to make me a worse husband. It's going to make me a worse father. It's going to make me a worse employee. Following the light of the Logos has eternal consequences, yes, but it also has consequences for the here and the now. And this brings us to verses 10 through 12. John says, the Logos was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John says, hey, look at the world. The world loves the dark. We all love the dark. How many of you just love having a bright light shine in your face? the first thing in the morning. Anybody? No. I don't. We don't like the light. We wanna, we're comfortable in the darkness. And John says that's the way the world works. We're comfortable in the darkness. Even God's people, the people of Israel, they don't want to follow the light. They're comfortable in the darkness. Only, if, only some people have chosen to follow the light. Those who have believed in Jesus, those who have followed him and become children of God. And this this is the key part of what John has to say to us this morning. You have to receive the logos. You have to receive the light. You have to be saved from the darkness by the light. Now, as Christians, we sometimes make this all about Christianese. Ah, oh, yes, I'm saved. Oh, you need to be saved. And we don't talk about what that means. But John gives us a really great image here. He talks to us about what we need to be saved from. He says you need to be rescued from sin and shame and brokenness. And he tells us how you can be rescued from the darkness. By following the light. By trusting in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. By following Jesus like children follow their parents. You need help. You need saving. You can't do this by yourself. Only the Logos can bring light into the darkness of your life. Haley and I, Haley and I have recently been uh, watching a show called The 100 on Netflix. And it's, uh, it's a very interesting show. It's set about 100 years in our future in a post-apocalyptic earth. Everyone nuked everyone. It's a very happy show. Um, but it actually gives you a lot to think about. And in one of the seasons, the characters are given a choice. They're given the choice to enter the city of light. The city of light is a place where there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more sadness and darkness. It's a pretty great place to be. And I won't spoil what happens with the city of light, but the prophet of the city of light is insistent 
everybody needs to get to the city of light. Everybody needs to leave the darkness of the post-nuclear wasteland behind and go live in the light. And that's exactly what John is saying. Not about the city of light, about Jesus, just so we're clear. He is saying that we need to follow the Logos. We need to be saved from the darkness by the light of the Logos. And to do that, we're invited to become children. We're invited to become followers. We're invited to become children of God by following the Son of God. Now, this is a great invitation. But in order to take Jesus up on this invitation, we have to do something. Later in John, Jesus himself says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is, if you're going to live in the light, you have to act like you live in the light. You have to do something different. As the Apostle Paul says, the night is far gone and the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, there are a lot of different ways that this passage lends itself to living in the light, but I just want to leave you with one thing to do today. And that is that since the Logos offers you safety from the darkness, you need to accept that safety. God is giving you a gift, the gift of light, the gift of freedom. Because of Jesus, God has given you an escape from the darkness of the world. He's given you an escape from the brokenness of sin. He's given you an escape from the shame that you have for the mistakes you've made in the past. God has offered you an escape. You have to take it. You have to accept that gift because it's only by accepting that gift, it's only by following the Logos, it's only by following Jesus that you can be saved from your lostness. I know a thing or two about being lost. Uh, When I was in middle school, uh, a lot was going on in my life. There was a lot of darkness. There was a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And uh, for a stretch, I thought that the way out of that pain was to take my life. I was in a dark place. And my parents knew a little bit about what was going on, uh, and they were trying to get me help. Um, But it wasn't really working. And then one day I went to church, actually went to Sunday school, and a friend of mine Uh, who was dealing with her own set of things, was just sharing, and she said, uh, I have begun to read the Gospel of John, and I have found it really helpful. And up until that point in my life, I was a kid who had gone to church. I knew all the Sunday school answers. I could have told you all of the historical facts about the Apostle John, but I'd never really encountered and read what he had to say. Until that afternoon, When I went home and I sat on my bed and I read John and I still remember as clear as day reading the passage, this passage from John that we're talking about this morning and seeing so clearly that Jesus, the Logos, brought light into the darkness and that gave me hope. That gave me hope that I clung to in those dark days, and it gives me hope when I encounter dark days today.
Some of you are here this morning and you are in dark, dark places. You are lost. You're lost in that darkness. You're with Balto out on that trail. You are cold and you are miserable and you are discombobulated and you don't know what is going on or where you're going to go next in life or, or how to fix what's going wrong. And if that's you this morning, run to the light. Follow the light. You can't get out of the darkness by yourself. You can't fix everything that's wrong with you by yourself. Only the Logos can do that. Only following Jesus is going to bring light to your life. A few weeks ago, I challenged everyone to not get through the summer without encountering the S-O-N sun. And I don't know if you've noticed, but summer is quickly ending. We're going back to school. The days are getting shorter. Have you encountered Jesus? Have you met Jesus? Have you decided to give Jesus the Christ your allegiance? Because if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Make the decision today to cry out to him and then come talk to someone about that decision. Let the Logos bring light into the darkness of your life. Now, many of you are here today and you have already decided to follow Jesus and to live in the light of the Logos. And in just a moment, uh, we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion to, to remember and to celebrate and to participate in the grace that uh, Christ has given us through his death and through his resurrection.